Hello, everyone, and welcome to Monster Hour. I'm Quinn, your GM. With me today are Kyle. Hello, I'm Kyle. I play Duncan Oliver, the Vox. Hannah. Hello, and Happy New Year. I'm Hannah, and I play Max the Paradox. And Tio. Hello, I'm Tio. Happy New Year. I play Claire. Insert last name if you remember it. The <laughs> Forgotten Vessel. Yeah, we've been doing this season long enough, y'all. 2023 pop quiz. What is Claire's last <laughs> mm-hmm. name? Please think your answer. Splute it, right? Yeah, splute it. Splute it to us and we will know. Voting is mandatory, like Australia. Yes. <laughs> We're going to pick up with Duncan Oliver Ooh. amidst a slowly subsiding sea of suds on a raft with three accountants from the bureaucracy sent to manage the tempest of the economy, which in this manifestation was causing inflation of random objects. It started with the fermentation tank at Normal Brewing Company. You were able to contain the overflow by enlarging the keg into which the beer was flowing. But in the process, there was um, one not so small side effect. The six-story Jeremy Dunlap now towering over you and pretty much everything else except the fermentation tank. Yikes. What do you do? First thing I do is I very quickly hand the paperwork back to the accountants. These are broken. I don't know what happened there. You may want to take a look at that. <laughs> they look at you in abject horror. I think you uh, the, the number's wrong. The numbers are wrong. And I turn and I, I want to try to shout up to Jeremy. I don't know if he can hear me at all. He's so high up. He's looking around very confusedly at his new perspective on life. Jeremy, hold still. Don't move. At your voice, he whips around, swings his leg through oh, the, the sea of beer, and a tidal wave sweeps towards you, the vessel, and pretty much everything in your general direction. What do you do? Surf's up, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I want to try to, yeah, get through the wave. I, gotta, I want to try to get to Jeremy. If you're trying to ride this out, yeah. if you're trying to hang 10, mm-hmm. uh, give me a roll to face fear. Yeah, baby. Pluck, my second least favorite skill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Bad start, gang. Oh, no. Three. Uh-huh. Oh. Ooh. Oof. Almost Yikes. the worst. Is there that. like a super failure in Absurdia, Quinn? No. Oh. Although, this is probably going to break pretty bad for you. Mm -hmm. This hoppy tidal wave, this tsunami of malt comes sweeping your direction, and you try to get sideways of it to ride it out like a surfboard, but you're on a raft, not a surfboard. And so what actually happens is you capsize. You and all three of the accountants are caught in the riptide of this tidal wave of beer. You're turned end over end, and you go crashing into some of the refuse the debris, the detritus that has been kicked up in this bedlam. And you're going to go ahead and take one harm. And when you are able to surface again, the accountants are uh, nowhere to be seen. Uh, I only give a cursory look around for them because they are known to appear and disappear. (laughs) This is true, as the numbers will it. Mm -hmm. They're probably fine. They probably have a special little accountant submarine that was hiding underneath the raft. As you get your bearings above you, towering six stories tall, the enormous face of Jeremy Dunlap peers down towards you like an elder god regarding an ant, and his voice booms. You can feel the reverberations in the liquid around you as he says, 
Duncan, what did you do to me? Ugh, he can't hear me for shit. If he's looking, if he can see me uh, scramble up on the raft, I raise my arms up and I yell, Uppies! <laughs> uh, yeah, he picks you up. He like plucks you, like a little finger thumb, picks you up by the scruff of your, not your neck, because that would kill you probably, <laughs> but uh, your clothing, and uh, holds you up to his eye. And you're about the size of the pupil of his eye as he Gross. stares into you. So big. Duncan! Put me down on your ear. Put put me down on your ear. I can hear you here. It's uncomfortable to just kind of hang around on your shoulder or top of your head or something. He like tilts you out into his hand. So you're in the palm of his hand and he puts you kind of like right in front of his face. His hands smell all malty. You imagine this is what the toy soldiers feel like when Max (laughs) like holds them. Yeah, there's a moment of reflection. I was trying to say, don't move. You're very dangerous right now. Well, yeah, I'm a giant, Duncan. I didn't want to be a giant. I wanted to be normal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I don't know how you did this, Jeremy, but we'll get to the bottom of it. But for now, I need to know, do you have any safe in your... This is not nefarious. We've got a clunk and axe loose in town. It's wrecking havoc with the economy. That's why you're all big. I think the accountants probably had something to do with your current state. It's impossible to know for sure. Give me a hoodwink. When you lie, mislead, or trick someone to achieve your ends, roll plus cheek. Okie doke. That is a seven. On a seven to nine, your ploy works, but the GM will introduce a complication or consequence. Jeremy looks at you and says, Accountants? Accountants, I told them to never come back to normal brewing after the tax incident. Where are they? And he like <laughs> takes a sweeping step over three buildings. No, 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 uh, no. And steps into a giant pool of beer that is still sort of draining like a flood out into the rest of town. Careful. Those are your regulars' houses. He bends over and starts to peer low, all while he's holding you in his hand aloft as he searches for the accountants that you have mercilessly pinned the blame on. <laughs> I don't know. They got they got hit by a wave of beer and they must have escaped in their submarine or something. He doesn't appear to be heeding your words at this point. Giant Jeremy Duncan wants vengeance. Mm-hmm. He does not appreciate being abnormal. Jeremy prides himself. Oof. As you know, uh-huh. on how normal he is. So uh, he's looking for those accountants. Yeah. What can I see from way up here? He's probably taller than anything in town. Certainly most things, if not all things. Is there anything you're looking for? Yeah, I'm looking for an, an area. It might not be in town because he's so big, but maybe kind of by the woods or on the beach where I can direct him to go and sit and just chill for a bit. I want to tell him that I know people in the bureaucracy. I'll find these accountants and get you sorted out. Okay. As a neighbor, my good friend, Jeremy. You're good. Yeah. Sorry, what, what's, he, what's your relationship on the character sheet again? Uh, it is R for friend. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I thought. Listeners, R stands for rival. <laughs> Did you, everyone else just kind of like black out for a second there? I feel like there's something <laughs> I won't make you roll assess reality. I think it's, it's very evident that 
There's the beach just before the bay where the abandoned lighthouse at the edge of town and the screaming fog is generally hanging out, but the beach is usually safe. And then there is the eternal forest, which stretches out around the edge of town as far as you can see out into the the horizon. Either place would be, I mean, not necessarily safe for Jeremy, but uh, safe for town. Safer for Jeremy. He's pretty big. There's also the rather large municipal wastewater treatment facility, which is unclear if it's still in in operation. Mm -hmm. Jeremy could hang out, kind of sit on it like a big castle, but... uh, That's pretty cool. Slightly less safe, potentially. Yeah, I think I'd want to direct him to the beach because it seems like it would have the clearest sightline to know that he's not stepping or sitting on stuff. Like the forest is all sorts of who knows what could be in the trees that get smirched. And selfishly, I'd like to ride with him over to the beach to see if I can get a better look at like the shape of the fog around the lighthouse where it sits idle. I don't know if anybody's ever got a good like bird's eye view of that area. What enticement do you make to Jeremy as he relentlessly runs to ground these accountants who may or may not still be alive or here? Right. Or have ever been there. Hmm. Or have ever been there. No, they were there because you used their financial I mean, somebody did. (laughs) (laughs) Who's to say? Who did a chaos thing. (laughs) No, the the argument is, Jeremy, listen to me. Listen to me. I know you want to be normal. But the more you move around here in town, you are destroying your customers' livelihoods. We got to get to the beach. It's nice and open. You can stand there. You can look out for the accountants. And I promise you, I will use my contacts in the bureaucracy to track down who is responsible for what happened to your brewing company. Give me a sway roll. Okay. Yeah, 12, baby. Nice. Okay. On a 10 plus, they will do it for the reason that you gave them. There's a good reason. So Jeremy pauses and kind of raises you back up towards his face glowers at you just ever so slightly resentful that he knows that you're right his bushy forested dark brown eyebrows and and beard pulling into a furrow and he snorts and the breeze almost blows you away the aroma is not 100 good vibes i'm in his hand it already smells so malty the aroma of malt is overwhelming and mildly intoxicating but he looks at you and says "Mm, fine let's go And he starts very daintily, as daintily as a giant can, uh, (laughs) tiptoeing around town, trying to step on like parks or like big intersections (laughs) where he won't destroy buildings (laughs) and begins making his way with you in his palm towards the beach by the bay. He's making mini parks wherever he steps. If he crushes yeah. something, that's a little pocket park that could spring up right yeah. there. Yep. Crush pocket parks. Yep. You know, like how we have Love smash it. burgers? We got smash parks. Oh, smash boy. parks. <laughs> Let's jump to Max. Yes. Hello. Max, you exit WSOM alongside mm-hmm. Jackie, having enlisted Sebastian's aid in enlisting the community in discovering where the Clunkanacks might be. You learned that it was at the Sip and Spin Pottery Barn on Main Street. You know, you're not terribly far away. I think WSOM, Duncan, tell me if you disagree, but I think WSOM is fairly near center of town. Yeah. It yeah. also might be, if you're inside WSOM, it might be tricky getting out the door because it is also pretty close to normal brewing company. Yeah, I was. Uh, oh boy, I was about to mention that. Um, there might be some water damage at the radio station. Ooh. Max, as you step out, you notice that you're standing in about shin deep 
a dark amber liquid, and the malty aroma wafts up towards you. That realization is quickly overcome by a more pressing realization, which is the deep reverberations in the ground beneath your feet, and a titan towering over you, slowly making its way towards the beach, away from Main Street, where the Clunkanax is purported to be. Do I recognize the titan? Yes, it is one parentheses, really, really, really big, like font size number one, in parentheses, Jeremy Dunlap. Okay, so I recognize Jeremy Dunlap. Do I see that he is carrying one parentheses, Roman numeral one, close parentheses, Duncan Oliver in his palm? Is he still being carried by like the scruff of his shirt or did he get, he ended up at his palm? Yeah, I know he's in his palm. I I don't think so from this distance. I turn to Jack and I go, so I haven't been in town that long, but that's not routine. Is it? I mean, some people get bigger or smaller sometimes, but that seems a little too big. A little bigger than what might be considered uh, ordinary. Okay. Well, they seem to be on their way to something, so we should go to the sip and spin. Deal with that later. Uh, All right, yeah, okay. Uh, The clunkin' axe is more interesting than some giant anyway. It's made of so much money, Max. Oh, my God. We're not going to lose the giant because they're giants. No, I mean, like, how could we lose him? Exactly. He's he's enormous. Yeah, we probably don't even have to go back to the radio station. We probably just have to listen to the radio to find out where. He's like the third tallest structure in all the city. Exactly. So uh, let's go deal with the Clunkinax first. Oh, the people at the first bank of somewhere building are going to be real upset. They were the third tallest, and now they're the fourth tallest. (laughs) 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 Dweebs. All right. All right, let's go. What's taller than Jeremy? Mm. What are the two tallest? I don't know. Look around. (laughs) Yeah, we shouldn't have to roll for that, right? (laughs) Look around. We'll get back to you. Max, you and Jackie wade through this steady flow of sudsy slipstream and make your way towards Main Street, where I think you can see, once again, a scene of some commotion, not unlike the market. There are people out in the street. I think you can see there are folks armed with kind of like, not the exact equipment as the bus hunt, the whaling party, but like they have a lot of makeshift gear and weapons, like harpoons and stuff. And they're gathered in the street, some trying to form up like a perimeter, others uh, looking like they're advancing, others retreating. And then there's a number of folks who are just kind of in in sort of a general panic. What do you do? Is there like something that I can stand on nearby? Because Max is not a terribly tall person. Definitely. Okay. What tall thing do we think is nearby? What do you want to be standing on? Quinn, there is a large decorative flower vase or potter something like that that is sitting in front of the sip and spin and clearly has been decorated i think they were going for some kind of flower motif you know being a little meta as you would probably put flowers in there but it looks a little bit more like the flower pot has some kind of disease skin condition okay it's not great it was either a child or somebody with no artistic direction or perhaps somebody who had never seen a flower before and uh i go and stand on top of this questionably decorated vase 
as you stand on it from the base, a bunch of vines burst forth and elevate you about five feet further up. Uh, oh. The vines look like what was painted on the pot. They're horrible. Oh, okay. I look down at them and I go, uh, mm. Mm. they make a, a sickening, like raspy writhing sound. Mm. Uh, thank you. Thank you for your assistance. They squirm more. Hmm. Cool. Okay. Let's make this brief. This is physically a little uncomfortable. And visually probably startling. And I go, uh, uh, citizens of somewhere, I understand that you wish to help in the cornering and taming of a clunkin axe. Is that correct? What's a business on somewhere Main Street? Pipes all the way down. Oh, oh, I got a good one. It's a place where you can go and take your Himalayan salt lamps to get them recharged, to get the like good salt put back in Claire the, owns that in business salt too. Lamp. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Himalayan salt lamps beam salt directly into your food if you put them under the lamp. Okay, yes. That's very yes. handy. Uh, what's this place called? The Salt Lick. Oh, salt I like lick. that. Okay. It's also a dive. <laughs> As you're delivering the speech, there's like some crashing in the salt lake down the street. Okay. No one's going to answer you, but you have their attention at the least. Okay. First, anyone attempting to approach the Clunkinax must first remove any types of money or ostentatious displays of wealth. Large watches, beautiful earrings, necklaces... Otherwise, the Clunkinex will absorb them and get larger. That includes your pogs. All of these things must be taken off before approaching the Clunkinex. Second of all, does anyone here have any experience fighting in any kind of cavalry or mounted armed resistance? Anyone? I was a member of the PTA when they first unionized. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) That counts. Another person pipes up and says, I helped drive away the sewer rats from the underground. Also probably counts. I attacked and dethroned the moon. (laughs) Quinn, question, is the moon still there? Yes, and you can see in the shadows of the clouds, it kind of looks like the moon is like giving a middle finger. Super mm-hmm. weird. <laughs> uh, a little more dubious of a claim, <laughs> but I still appreciate your energy. Okay. I went eight rounds with a carnivorous plant. Wow. Man, everyone in this town needs therapy. Yeah. That, that does, yeah, yes, that does count. Does anyone have <laughs> a large net or perhaps a large bag? My goal is to trap the Clunkinax. Let's see here. This is definitely a move. I'm trying to figure out which move is best. Yes. Probably rally or call for aid. Rally if you want this group to sort of like marshal and and fight in unison with you Mm -hmm. uh, or retreat in unison away. Basically do what you want. Call for aid if you're looking for some like specific resources or equipment. I think a rally, is that going to be a faction roll again? Yeah, these are both faction rolls because you're dealing with a large group of people. Yes, I think I want to rally so that I can organize these people and they'll do what I want. That feels right. Yeah. Yeah, so go ahead and give me a roll with community. Okay, I I do owe Sebastian an interview. Yeah, you can owe multiple debts. Okay, 
Let's do this. All right. Um. Well. Oh dear. <laughs> it's um. It's a three. Yikes, Aruni! Yay, second three. On a miss, you either tarnish your standing, minus one reputation with that faction, or the group wildly or willfully misinterprets what you wanted. I'll leave the choice up to you. Now, what does it mean if it tarnishes my reputation? Do I just, I move down to like the negative? Yeah, your faction rating would move down one. I will tarnish my reputation. I have some concerns if I let this crowd just go nuts with the clunkinac so i will now have a negative one reputation with community oof i think the response to your attempt to marshal this group of main street business owners is i I feel like they don't appreciate your lack of urgency or or your sort of like take chargedness And so what happens is the inertia of the situation kind of catches up, like the people who were fleeing go back to fleeing. The people who were forming up to try to take on the Klunkinax surge forward. And a few people left look at you like, what what are you thinking? (laughs) And as this happens, the Klunkinax bursts out of the salt lake. Salt lamps sprouting out from its engorged frame like spikes. Uh, It's... Let's see. What's bigger than an elephant? Uh, two elephants. <laughs> <laughs> a blue whale. That is the largest mammal. Too big. Too Jeremy big. Jeremy Dunlap. <laughs> Max, it's about the size now of a mammoth. Fuck. Which I don't know if you've had firsthand experience with, but certainly you know by reputation and size. Your three heads are still there, but its body is adorned with all manner of fineries and, and currency valuables, which are forming kind of like chitin. While its undercarriage, so to speak, is still just a mess of like writhing, mismatched appendages, it bursts out from the storefront, sweeps one of its longer appendages out and smashes through this crowd, sending people end over end. The salt lamps all burst with illumination, a bioluminescence that lights up the darkened evening street here. Its Cerberus of Heads spins around and lets out a trio of horrible metallic shrieks that reverberate throughout the street. I am beginning to think that we should have enlisted the aid of the giant Jeremy Dunlap to assist in dealing with the mammoth-sized Clunkinax. Perhaps that is what I should have done. Quinn, question. Yes. If I attack the Clunkinax as is, will I die? (laughs) That depends on how well you do. Um... (laughs) Is it likely it is larger and stronger uh-huh you know as a fan of your characters uh-huh that's just yep this is where i'm going you've seen quite a few things yep uh-huh <laughs> mm-hmm. yes i i think if you in a straight fight who would win you versus the clunkinax uh-huh probably not you okay <laughs> if you fight it i would recommend trying to even the odds in your favor somehow okay well i look at at the Clunkinax, I look at Jackie. Jackie has the Notato cannon mounted on her shoulder, and she oh. is loading a Notato in uh, uh, and aiming n- at the Clunkinax. No, 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 I seen one of my radioactive lamps in there. I gotta get it. Nope. No, 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 Jackie. No, 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 no. Quinn, I'm also hoping that perhaps we could rope in the person who said that they attacked and dethroned the moon. Like that energy. That's um, <laughs> okay. Sure, there. Big if true. 
they're still there. <laughs> yeah, big if true. So I, I turn to Jackie and to our friend to attack the moon, and I go, discretion is the better part of Valor. He who fights and runs away lives to fight another day. Uh, that's it for the sayings that I know about retreating. The thing is going to eat us. Jackie, I will steal you a new lamp when the salt lick goes back into business. We need to go find that giant man. I physically place myself in front of the notato cannon. I think Jackie looks at you and is like, uh, but like just one shot as we nope. retreat, Mm-mm. please. No, nope. please. No, nope. uh, no. Nope. Uh, I'll get you clunkin' <laughs> Your riches are mine. <laughs> you see a golden gleam in her eyes, straps the notato cannon back on her back. Yes. And bids a fair retreat. Okay. Quinn. We got to find that giant man. We got to find one giant Jeremy Dunlap and see if he'll help us. As you retreat, you locate the North Star, a.k.a. Giant Jeremy, Mm -hmm. and head off in hot pursuit. Yep. Let's jump to Claire, last name redacted for trivia purposes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Claire, amidst the din of battle at the Somewhere Public Library. Before you looms a towering figure, not so large as Jeremy Dunlap, but perhaps more imposing. Spindly, spidery, tall and wiry, covered in a great black cowl that hangs over its face so that you cannot see anything but two baleful white eyes. Betwixt you and the archive stands the head librarian. Yes. Listeners, Let me just say that I never prepare for any session. It's like my mind goes blank. I forget everything that has been discussed. (laughs) I legit never remember anything that's happening. And I used to get very panicky about it. And then I realized that that's just my process. And somehow that Then we switch systems. (laughs) (laughs) And now we're playing Absurdia and it's perfect. (laughs) Yes. But it's it's just one of those things where I need to, uh, I, I essentially go into a fugue state when we record and then I come out of it and go, what happened the last two hours? <laughs> and for the first time in years, I actually set up a plan for what I was going to do during mm. the last session. Uh-oh. I thought, ooh, wouldn't it be really funny if I pull out a notebook and start writing FOIA, 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 and throwing it at the head librarian in an effort to bury them in FOIA requests. Listeners, FOIA stands for the Freedom of Information Act, in case you were not aware. Yes. (laughs) Thank you, Quinn. Now, this was going to be funny in two ways. One, it was going to be funny to any government and policy nerds out there who know that this is a tactic. (laughs) (laughs) Quinn, you made a noise. It's it's me. I'm the problem. (laughs) I'm the government and policy nerd. (laughs) Uh, I'm the problem. It's me. Yeah, it's me. Hi, it's me. Because this actually happens also in academia. But basically you can get buried in FOIA requests and it's like all you spend your time doing. On the other hand, spoiler, I work in the media and we we love our public requests. They're not all FOIA because they're not all federal. And then whatever your local version of that, they all have different names. Public requests of information, essentially. Uh, We love them. They're like our little magic wands, except they take forever and they can bankrupt you depending on how many you put in and how expensive. 
expensive the process is at that agency. And they don't usually actually tell you very much because the really juicy ones, places like to hide as much as humanly possible. Anyway, the point was it was going to be (laughs) funny because it both does work and doesn't work. And I wanted to see what specifically this gov nerd that is our GM, Quinn, was going to do with that. However... (laughs) <laughs> I have been... Did you explain all of that only to do something different? Yes, because, because, let me be clear, because during our last session, it was established after I came up with this idea in my head, somehow Kyle manifested the idea of FOIA in his head, and you all established that in freaking somewhere, FOIA requests are foyer requests mm-hmm. that only oh yes only include <laughs> things in the foyer you can still write foyer i forgot on, about that a bunch of pieces of paper foyer. and throw it at the librarian it's not gonna be oh, the God. same <laughs> and i literally crumpled into a heap and blew away when you all did this <laughs> and so what i've learned from this and what you should all learn from this is never plan never prepare always go off the cuff so With that being said, (laughs) where were we? (laughs) Have I bought myself enough time during my rambling to come Mm. up with a new idea? We're about to see. What is around me? Obviously, the librarian is right in front of me. What is to my left and right? What's on my peripheral vision? All around you are stacks upon stacks of books, although many of the shelves have been emptied at this point because like flocks of birds, these treatises are flitting around the library doing the battle and bidding of the librarians and probably the head librarian in trying to combat Walker's invasion. So pretty much that in every direction. Got it. Okay. So chaos. Okay. And if I'm remembering the process right, the books are actually blank and the librarians almost like, is this like a uh, Buffy situation when Willow like saps the literal ink off the pages, but in reverse? So like the librarians put the ink on the pages? The books are devoid of ink and words, but they do contain knowledge and information. Got it. Just in a different facet. Uh, Okay, I understand. They're blank. They're not empty. Yes. I'm going to pick up a book off of the shelf, throw it onto the ground, jump on top of it, and call out to Rudy. Rudy, Rudy, that smells like juicy fruity. (laughs) Huh? Come ignite... I give up on trying to make this sound cool. Rudy, can you make what's in this book pop up as like you're reliving a memory? Give me me some MR magic here. And what I mean by that is if these books are not empty, they hold memories. Then the the rules of how ink and stuff works does not apply. And therefore, someone could theoretically create a holographic, like make you be in a 3D version of the memory from this book. I would like to do that in order to essentially create chaos and make it hard to see me because I'm suddenly in the middle of mm-hmm. of a memory. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Give me a roll to embrace chaos. Ooh, that's an eight. On a seven and nine, you choose an option from the list below, and then I choose an option from the list below. Do I get to know what you choose first? No, I always choose after. Okay, okay. But I can't (laughs) negate. So like if you choose to quell, like I can't fan. My choice can never negate your choice. Okay. 
Well, I, I think obviously if I want to make my thing happen, I briefly wield this power's effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's yeah. probably the right one. Claire, you jump on this book. Some of the paper like puffs out, almost like if you jumped on a pillow and like the down would sort of like spurt out. It does that with some of the pages. But as the little bits of paper flutter down, the scene starts to shift a little bit and then more than a little bit. And the nexus of all of these different aisles and avenues and alleys between the stacks that you're standing outside this sort of antechamber here to the archive, the head librarian's suite, shifts. And instead, you are standing atop what appears to be a rocket. You've got a visor on. Around you, the library disappears, and you start seeing like little bits of broken satellite and other space detritus. And you are sailing towards the moon, which is now positioned fully behind the head librarian. And it turns around confusedly, and all around you, the flow of the battle here has shifted pretty significantly. Well, I want to run into the head librarian's office. Give me a roll to face fear, because the head librarian is still between you and the office, and that definitely constitutes something risky in the face of fear or danger. You know what's funny? I only have one pluck, and that seems wildly wrong for Claire, characteristically, (laughs) like, in terms of her character, so I should probably change that at some point. Eight. Hey. On a seven to nine, I will offer you a worse outcome, a hard choice, or a price to pay. Okay. Mm. Do your worst. Don't say that. <laughs> don't bait him. No, don't, <laughs> don't do that. He already shut down your FOIA requests. That was unintentional. Yeah, that was that just kind of happened. <laughs> Claire, I will offer you a choice of what the head librarian does here. I think in the confusion you've created, you can attack and dethrone the moon in this metaphor and get past the head librarian. And in the confusion you've sown, do so without being pursued. Mm -hmm. But if you do that, this sort of brief ceasefire is going to break bad for Walker because it's going to give the library time to regroup. Alternatively, you can bait the head librarian into following you into the office where it will continue to pursue you. But Without their general at the helm, the library will not get the better of this ceasefire, and Walker's advance will continue. I'm going to go with Walker's going to have a bit of a harder time. Sorry. Yeah, then your rocket blasts underneath the head librarian, and it reaches up two cowled hands and tries to catch you, but instead you shoot directly into the moon, and as you (laughs) slam through the giant Resolute Oak doors into the head librarian's office, the archive, we see the scene behind you where the moon explodes, like a big chunk of it just explodes outward, and although it's not real, everyone in the foyer takes shelter from the, the moon shrapnel, and that scene disappears as you step into the archive. Okay, what do I see once I step in? Before you is a small circular office. It is not particularly wide, but it is oddly tall. A large spire stretches up, and you can actually see that there's a large telescope standing next to the only desk, which is the piece of furniture in this room that stretches up towards the ceiling of the spire. Ringing the walls are towering bookshelves. They cover the entire silo that you're sort of in, and they are decked with all manner of books. And then in the center is a large desk fit for a creature of abnormal size. At that desk is a inkwell, a quill, a book, 
and an ornate box. All right, yeah, I'm going for the the quill, the box. Get me over there, touchy, touchy. <laughs> okay, yeah, you run over and sit in the desk like a small child sitting in a normal office chair. Mm-hmm. You're able to reach, albeit with some difficulty, the objects on the desk. The quill, we've established this is maybe your first time in the library. Oh, definitely. You don't know a whole lot about the library, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. Um. So yeah, the quill is a, a feather quill. There's nothing in the inkwell. The book is empty. The box has a small clasp on it. Hmm. Can I open the box? The clasp, is it like a lock or just like a click open? It clicks open. What is inside, Quinn? Inside is the darkest abyss, striking terror and horror into your mind and soul. Mm. Whoa. Deeper, darker, more expansive, more profound, more esoteric, entropic than the rift into hell which you stared down that drove your camera to a screaming fit which has not subsided when you took a photo of it. Hmm. The only way you could imagine to describe it is the void. What happens if I dip the pen into the void? Give me your old to embrace chaos. (laughs) I love Claire's approach to investigating weird stuff. (laughs) (laughs) touchy 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 touchy, touchy. that's a nine my friend yeah on a seven to nine you choose one and i choose one oh i didn't choose one from the last list oh yeah uh i'll just choose two this time sure (laughs) okay you gain a clear understanding of the power's source effects and motives if any that's a good one by dipping this quill into the void you can extract anything within the archive, provided you have the wherewithal and clarity to do so. Ah. Well, we know he's got the clarity. The clarity. Uh Heyo. As you do so, you feel some of your own memories just trickle in a little bit. I am fanning the flames of this power. (laughs) And one memory of yours just kind of slips away into the void. What is it? The memory of my little brother. (gasps) Oh. What? Interesting. Mm -hmm. A specific one or the whole? Well, that's up to you, Quinn. Is it a specific memory with him or him in general? I don't think it's so robust, but perhaps an important one of your little brother. Yeah. When I told my little brother that I would make sure that he's always fed. Perhaps the last thing you said before, Rudy. Mm -hmm. I'll take my banked one from last time and say, go ahead and mark one essence as well. (laughs) That feels appropriate here. Uh Claire, you dip the quill into the well that is the void, and you understand how the system works. But as you do so, something drips away. You can feel it like tickling the back of your mind. But as it slips, you have no memory of what it was. Mm -hmm. It's somewhere in there, but the sea is limitless. Well, we all got to pay some price. Well, now that I know what this does, I would like to control F (laughs) for Rudy, for Claire, and for the city council. Mm. Oh, no, I take that back. For Rudy, for Claire, and for Will, the Bureaumancer. Interesting. So here's how we're going to do this, I think. I'm going to smush two moves together. Give me a roll to embrace chaos. Except the options that you get to choose will be gather information rolls. Okay. Oh. I'm going to push myself on this one. Okay. 
nine. Oh, so close. So yeah, mark an essence. It's okay. You love fractures. I do. <laughs> you do. You get one gather information roll here. Mm-hmm. Choose one of those topics that you wanted. So yourself, Rudy, or William. And give me a roll to gather information with entropy. The void is entropy. Yeah, I'm <laughs> they very love entropic. You. Yeah. That's an eight. <laughs> Loving those eights. Mm-hmm. Are you looking for information for yourself, for Rudy, or for William? Is this one of those things where she like has to write in the name of the person that she's looking for? Like, is there a trail? I, you know, I don't know. How do we think this works? Like, how do we think the actual functioning of this works? Do you dip into the void and then like write it and then dip back? Or like, is it, you know, entirely mental, thought controlled? Like, how do we think this works here? I think it's you dip into the, was it an inkwell? Mm-hmm. And perhaps visually it looks a little bit like something is kind of traveling up the quill into your hand and you're absorbing it that way. But that is just my idea. Or do you dip the quill into the void and when you pull back out, a stream comes out with it? Like sticky, icky. Ooh, I like mm-hmm. that. Ink. And then you yeah, can like plop like, that on paper and it will like shape words yeah. or something. Yeah. Okay. When you wield this successfully, that's what happens and it draws out what you're looking for. So okay, which of those three subjects are you searching? Okay. So the reason I asked was that I think... Moment of growth for Claire. She starts out like she dips the quill in the ink. And as she's pulling it out, she starts going, Claire, 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 Rudy. (laughs) And decides on Rudy. But it's really hard because she definitely wants to know what's written in there about herself, Mm -hmm. too. On a seven to nine, you will learn something interesting, but it's up to you to make it useful. Okay. Yeah, it's got to be that. I thought this might come a little bit later, but that's okay. That's ominous. (laughs) Um. Claire, I think this isn't a perfect draw from the void. It's a little splotchy. It's a little splattered. Some of the ink hasn't formed entirely properly. You see bits and pieces of a dossier, I suppose. You catch a few sentences like progressing at an alarming rate, incidences numbering in the hundreds, and motivation unknown. But the top of the dossier, which comes in after most of this has and, and begins to fade, says, code name Rudy, the ruinous utter destruction of your. Oh, oh, pop quiz. Pop quiz. Hey, folks, Quinn here. Thanks so much for tuning in to episode 17 of Monster Hour Absurdia. I'm sure you were expecting the outro music after that big reveal, but I've been given special dispensation from the library to keep the episode going just a little bit longer. Don't worry, as is my want, there is still a lovely little cliffhanger for you at the end. As always, I want to thank everyone who's been helping spread the word about the show by leaving us a rating and review, giving us a shout on social media, and recommending the show to a friend. Don't forget that if you tweet, gram, tumble, or sploot about the show using hashtag MonsterHourPod, you might look into your bathroom mirror one morning and discover that your reflection is actually a resident of the surreal suburban town of somewhere. We have a new doppelganger making their appearance after the break here, so stay tuned. I want to give a special shout-out this week to the newest member of WSOM's Eternal Pledge Drive, Morgan S. Thank you to all of our Patreon backers for supporting the show and helping to make this season possible. 
My little monster was more demanding than the city council during tax season this weekend, so I am extra grateful to all of our supporters for helping us have our wonderful editor Ian on board. We've also been hovering near our goal of being able to commission some artwork for our bureaucratic tarot cards, so if you've been thinking about joining the Patreon, now's the perfect time. Help push us over that finish line. Our community spotlight this week is another one of the shows participating in the surreal Big Brother actual play of The Feed that we're doing over on Instagram. What Am I Rolling, run by fellow housemate Fiona, is a monthly one-shot anthology exploring a variety of RPG games and systems. Hey, listen! Do you want to find out more about tabletop and live role-playing games, but not too sure where to start? Do you want to play a lot of different role-playing systems, but don't have time to try them all? Do you want to listen to new and exciting adventures, but without the long, boring character creation episodes or filler story arcs? Well, you're in luck. Check out What Am I Rolling, a twice-monthly RPG one-shot podcast. Available on the website, that's www.wairpodcast.com, wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, adventures need not apply. That's all I've got for you this week, dear listeners. Tune in February 21st for the next broadcast of WSOM, Radio Somewhere. Duncan, under the mildly irritated light of the moon... You make your way in giant Jeremy Dunlap's outstretched palm towards the beach, and you know, you make remarkably good time. It's probably just a few minutes striding as daintily as a giant can stride mm-hmm. across somewhere before you reach the beach. Good job, Jeremy. Now, I need you to make yourself comfortable. We'll get this sorted out as soon as we can. What are you going to do to sort it out, Duncan? It's very simple. We have to simply fix the economy. Just fix the economy, okay. Yeah, it seems to be broken all the time, so... Hey, wait a minute. Hmm. Duncan. Yeah? In his palm, he reaches his other hand up and picks you up by the scruff of your shirt again and says, Duncan? Yeah? He kind of shakes you back and forth a couple times. Stop! Stop! Duncan! I hear you. You're so loud. Put the protective sheets up on WSOM. They don't do anything. You keep telling me I have to put lead sheets up at Normal Brewing Company and it clashes with my aesthetic. We've gone back and forth about this, but now I'm a giant. (sighs) Will you put me down? Yes. Okay, we'll put him in. Good. Can you see any sign of economic activity in town? What am I looking for exactly here? Bedlam, chaos. If you see a gold statue with my face on it, dead giveaway here hold on you know what and uh he lifts you up so you're about seven stories up in the air uh and go ahead and give me a roll to assess reality and you're just like hanging out by the scruff of your shirt (laughs) the threads on my jacket are are tearing (laughs) nope four too panicked too afraid too scary up here (laughs) the fear is probably a real factor here let's why not let the jeremy why don't you just uh, okay put me put me put me down first and then see if you spot i don't know rising smoke or something he sets you down and i'm gonna have you ask two questions but some or all of the answers i give you will be inaccurate Red. because you're relying on giant jeremy dunlap who is still kind of mad at you <laughs> to give you information <laughs> yeah first question would be what's my best route Second question, are there any dangers I haven't noticed? 
So looking for where the Clunkin' X might be and any other economic turmoil. It looks like something's happening on Main Street, some sort of commotion. One of my old regulars was talking the other day and they said that last time the economy acted up, there was a real demand spike, a mania swept through town and people were obsessed with these little toys. I think they were called Beanie Babies. I don't know, but... uh, Never heard of them. I think they all disappeared when the economy got fixed. Anyway, maybe that's what's going on. Fastest route? I mean, I could throw you. Uh, And he curls his fists around you and... No, Jeremy. Jeremy, put me down. Put me down. (laughs) This is fun. Maybe I won't have you fix me. Maybe I'll just be a giant forever. He drops you from about 10 feet back onto the beach and you land with kind of like an an awkward thump. This was definitely a mistake. You turned your rival. Well, I guess you didn't know he was going to, but I turned your rival into a giant and I'm having fun with it. (laughs) (laughs) As you land back on the soft sand of somewhere's beach, which is actually made of microfiber down pillows. Um, Little known fact about somewhere's beach. Yeah. Only known microfiber down pillow beach in the known universe you see max and jackie headed your way (sighs) last thing jeremy you don't have any money in your pockets do you pogs doubloons oh my god did they turn big ah please please hold on um let me get my wallet out Uh, and he starts juggling his wallet and it starts falling towards you but he catches it i dive out of the way his wallet is about the size of a truck No, thank you. Uh, let's see here. Oh, I've got this IOU from the clerk at City Hall. It's technically legal tender. And he drops this enormous sheet of paper, (laughs) which is like a giant tarp, and written on it in enormous print, you can see it says, IOU, five pogs. (laughs) Phew. But it's just paper money, right? You don't have any commodity goods. I don't think it's any more valuable if it's bigger. It's still only worth five pogs, but it's it's like the giant checks. You know, even if you print a big check, but if it says five pogs, it's still only worth five pogs, right? Yeah, it hasn't increased in value. So that's, that's at least good. Oh, hey, Max. Max, you've come in on this conversation as the giant piece of paper, the IOU, has unfurled and blanketed Duncan. (laughs) I'm digging my way out. Oh, hey, Max. (laughs) I come running up to Duncan, trailed by Jackie and man who hates the moon. (laughs) Oh, is he still with you? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. We got to give this guy a name. Yeah, Yeah. no, this is uh, this is my new friend. He's 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 around for three scenes essentially now. So he's three scenes is the rule. Yep. Hold on. We'll get a Twitter name. (laughs) Fabulous. Okay, we've been referring to he, him, but now that they have a name, I'm using the pronouns from the person on Twitter, so their name is Solar, uh, and their Whoa. pronouns are they, them. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's extremely fitting. Very good. Solar Moonslayer. Yes. Solar yes. the Moonslayer. Solar Duncan. Duncan, this is Solar. Solar may or may not have deposed the moon at some point. I mean, the moon is still up there, but uh, perhaps it didn't stick. Hello, Solar. Could I social dragonfly Solar? (laughs) Sure, yeah. I might know this person. We might be old friends. Yeah, read your move again. Yeah, when you first meet someone, you can declare that actually you've met them before. 
when you do this, roll plus cheek on a 10 plus your old friends. Tell the GM an interesting detail about them. Take what plus one forward on your next social interaction with them. On a seven to nine, you've crossed paths a couple times. The GM will tell you an interesting tidbit. On a miss, you forget you promised them a spot on your show. Mark one integrity. Fabulous. Roll it. A miss is so funny. (laughs) (laughs) This is why nobody knows about the moon. (laughs) (laughs) But it's plus cheek. I'm very good at that. Seven. On a seven to nine, you've crossed paths a couple of times. The GM will tell you an interesting tidbit about them. <laughs> Other than that they attacked the moon. That's everybody everybody knows that. Uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Quinn. You're Quinn. You're one throwaway line. <laughs> we saw that. We were like, mmm, for mm. me. Yum, yum, yum. Thank you. Yum, delicious. Keep that as a tasty treat for later. Solar was an apprentice at Melvin's Butcher. Oh, dang. <laughs> before they elected for a more eclectic profession. Yes. Attacking celestial objects. <laughs> this is good. You're giving us a friend that we can call on to help us actually fight things when we need to do that. Because mm-hmm. we're so bad at that. <laughs> yeah, so Solar... Now the most interesting character on this podcast. (laughs) So, Duncan, that is what you know about Solar. Solar! Oh, Duncan, hey. How's the cutting? Well, actually, I I don't know if you know this, but I I decided to do a little bit of a career change. Uh, You know, Melvin was super understanding, great recommendation. But yeah, now I'm uh, I'm a celestial hunter. Wow, it's very, very (laughs) exclusive. Only one that I know of. But hey, you know what, Duncan? I'm cornering the market. I'd love to talk about it on your show sometime. Yeah, absolutely. We've got plenty of spots. Uh, My people will talk to your people. They kind of like look a bit distracted and they look up at Jeremy and they eye him up and down. I look up at Jeremy and back. That's Jeremy. This is Jeremy Solar. Solar Jeremy. Duncan, how big is he right now? Six-ish stories. That's pretty vague in in somewhere. He's that big. Mm, Not quite big enough to be a celestial object. Giant, let me know if you get any bigger. Wait, so you're saying if he gets bigger? I'll attack and dethrone him, yes. Okay, 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 okay. Good to know, good to know, good to know. Look, we have a common enemy, and that is the Clunkinex. For now, let us put all of our concerns, our desires about deposing, dethroning, (laughs) uh, committing military coups on objects in the sky while (laughs) we take care of the Clunkinex, because, you know, if that thing keeps going on any longer, we're not going to have this weird little place to call home-ish. Jeremy! Jeremy! Hey, you're the one who tried to pay me in gold doubloons. That is correct. <laughs> Can you help us? With what? Does Jeremy know about the Clunkinax? Yeah, I told him about the Clunkinax, but I think it's a little weird. He keeps forgetting You keep about saying Clunkinax. I don't know what that means. It's a gold <laughs> statue of myself, Bax, and Claire, last name redacted for trivia purposes, and it grows when it eats money and is running loose around town. We've been looking for it this- Jeremy. Duncan, did you make a currency amalgamation of yourself? I didn't make it. No. Someone else made it in your image. Yeah. And your image. Yeah. And Claire's image. Yep. It's not like we asked for it more than once or twice. 
I didn't know it was going to become sentient. I thought it was just weird. I didn't think they'd use actual gold. Okay. I guess that's on us. And you want me to fight it? It's the size of a mammoth. And... No, it's not. It what? It is. It definitely is. No, look. What? It's bigger now. Oh, God. And Jeremy points, oh, and across no. the horizon, cresting oh. over the tops of buildings, oh, no. you see God. the no. titanic golden form of the club. Oh, God. Oh, I, le- I lean over. Solar. Solar, is that big enough? <laughs> <laughs> it's Pacific Rim, baby. <laughs> That's right. We're doing Pacific Rim. Yeah.